radio by students for students. You are why. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of How to Break a Radio Station. This is part B on audio over IP and this is the extended version of our very own engineer Isaac Lowe in conversation with Ross Collier. So hi, it's great to meet you. You're Ross Collier, mm-hmm. your senior broadcast engineer with the BBC, mm-hmm. doing both radio and TV yeah. with BBC Leeds. Could you potentially tell me how long you've been working for the BBC? Uh, coming up to seven years this July, um, I didn't start out as an engineer. And I think that's the key thing is that, um, what I, I get this asked a lot, I said, oh, don't you need an engineering degree? And I said, half the time you need a technical mind. And it's just understanding how things work. And you learn a lot on the job and you you know the BBC is great they'll put you on training courses if you want to learn something but I started out as a boom operator and then became a sound recordist and then realized I wanted to get paid regularly (laughs) so I kind of joined the BBC (laughs) I'm currently working from home at the moment because they don't want any more than 20 people in the building Um, so we've gone from 120 people down to 20 and it's it's just weird because I was in (laughs) yesterday and it's just like what, what used to be on a weekend shift when we used to do them it's just no one's there has, has TV ended up getting priority from that then? Is it is it sort um, of uh, th- only three people from radio in the building at once? It's strange because radio's gone down to five programmes for the entire day from, mm. I think, about nine. So every show's gone up by about an hour. So breakfast now is on till 10 o'clock and then you've got four hours on mid-morning and four hours on drive and then four hours on what was the evening shows, which has sometimes been a national programme because um, of the the remit of the BBC is now kicking in more than ever as a national broadcaster because of what's going on. Yeah. So there's been occasions on a night where we've had a national programme where if there's been something announced by the government, so like um, on Monday when the new regulations came into force, the there was a national programme that kind of reiterated that out there because you don't realize a lot of the listeners that you get locally don't necessarily listen to national radio they'll prefer to listen to their local radio station over uh radio five live or uh, uh bbc radio or even network news on television and i don't know what our rage are results are because i haven't had a chance to have a look at radio today but from what i've heard just generally radio listenership is up across not just bbc radio network but um commercial network as well because people are stuck at home and have got nothing yeah to do and the radio has become more reliant it's it's a weird time at the moment it's very strange i i I do i do have some sort of friends who work in the commercial side and they're Mm. saying it's it's great they've got so many people listening but one thing is they can't sell that many adverts (laughs) yeah they can't sell the adverts yeah (laughs) it's just like great we've got the best (laughs) rage our results in years we're making no money but (laughs) yeah and we're just kind of like, well, how the hell are we actually... And you're listening to even our content. It's so strange at the moment because everything's remote apart from the presenter. Um, we haven't got that. We we were... Ironically, we were... Uh, back in March, we were we sat down and discussing this where we were thinking about, okay, what if we have to evacuate the building or we have to reduce the numbers so far down it's just a tech op? You know, there's no producer, there's no presenter. It's just someone driving the desk with everybody else remote. And, yeah, there was that sort of scary moment where we were sort of ponderising it. But we've had a lot of our journalists are now dialing in. And 
Um, I was listening to one of the bulletins a couple of weeks ago, and journalist is just reading out their story so straight, so normal. They actually sound quite good because they were they sort of set up a makeshift booth in their living room, and suddenly you hear this scratching noise and meow. I've <laughs> 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 read through the bulletin, and you you can't not help and laugh, but it's just and you can hear the presenters trying not to snigger. Um, closing their fader so that you know, all you can hear through the bulletin is this meow and then the presenter just sort of apologising again really straight so just apologise for that my cat just wants attention right now because I haven't fed her yet <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and it's just such it's so weird listening to radio now and see how it's changed just because of how we've had to adapt to this situation you know we don't have our newsreaders in the studio anymore even though that's how Vylor was designed mm. um a lot of our stuff is coming in externally now. There's nothing, you know, we don't have guests in the studios anymore. Now it's all done through FaceTime, Skype, you know, and it's just so strange. This is one advantage Vylor has is that we can put those straight to air. So the content of the episode today is on audio over IP and sort of the different uh, incarnations. Now I gather that all of the BBC local radio stations in the country, including the one where you work the most, BBC Leeds, has a system installed that very much uses audio over IP in a novel way in order to produce the best local radio content for the BBC. So can you tell me how that works in sort of studio and programme design and how Mm -hmm. it works technologically on the back end? So basic layout of your desks is you've got an analogue desk to deal with all the microphones and the backup CD players. Um, because with any system you need redundancy. Um, so that's on one side of the studio. It's usually on the left-hand side of the um, the desk, and that's got all your analog sources. So your presenter microphones, your guest microphones, and it does your headphone mixing as well. And then on the right-hand uh, left-hand sorry on the left-hand side you've got the Axia desk, which is a remote control desk, and you've also got a computer, a couple of computer screens. One that does what we call um, open media which is just the newsroom production system which has things like scripts and um, contacts and things like that and it's mostly used for visual talkback um, that machine also holds um, something called phone box which is used to control which sources appear on the IP side of the desk and then you've got uh, on the left hand side you've got the um, playout system which is DERA and that's a virtualized control system so it controls the virtual player um there's something um and then those analog sources are converted into a mix down which is then connected to what's called an x node um, which converts that to audio over ip and then that's um sent out down to what we call the vlrcs where you've got your mix engines um your playout system your contribution circuits such as your comrexes um and your isdns which have all been virtual put into a virtualized system um, so the ISDNs have a traditional line going in the back side of it and then it's just converted to audio over IP and then you've got your playout server as well which is just straight IP there's no actual um, digital audio out or into an X node it's all done through through IP so there's no analog or digital audio connections and presumably no reclocking then either no no need to reclock um uh, which is one massive advantage because that used to catch us out a few times with our old system because we were AES into the desks. Um, and it's it's quite clever. So each one studio, Studio One normally po- points to the North Station uh, Centre and Studio Two points to the South. 
those studios are then both sent as a redundancy to the other to the other sites as well. So in theory, both sites can pick up both stations, and then the two sites are inter- interconnected with each other, and they have exact mirrors of exactly the same systems on either side. So the exam- the advantage is if say one site goes down, the other site picks up the rest, and you don't lose any connectivity. Um, so the idea is, is if something goes wrong, there might be a little glitch of the switch happening where you might get a little sort of pop sound with when you're doing a bit of play out. And in theory, it, it just sort of carries on with it. Um, touch wood, we got it at the end of the Violor install. So the niggles and the usual sort of um, problems that you get with these type of new technologies in the early stages are kind of sort of benign, very well ironed out by the time it got to us. So it's a very unique system in that um, we have more flexibility in it. Whereas before, say, for example, uh, when we used to do the national program, if we wanted to do a show from Jersey, for example, it would have to go to Plymouth, Plymouth to London, and then London to Leeds. And then you would have to have a desk driver to drive the program. Now with Vylor, we could just get the presenter to rock up in Jersey. We asked broadcast support to do the routing, and then they'll also enable the deer of machine to point at leads so you just ca- it's just basically you carry on as normal and then there's a booking in to say that that studio in jersey will go to our transmitters at a set time so it makes you a bit more flexible in what we uh, in ability to go uh, to go to other places um, but it also means we can pick up other stations as well so if we want to we got a guest in say bristol again we can just pick up their studio and have it sent to us and we just pick it up as normal and the clean feeds are all rooted automatically. So it gives you a lot of flexibility in that sort of sense. And a good example of where it's come into its own is um, our weather hits. So we have a where the weather hub for the north, especially on a on a mornings. And when the system was going in, we had an ISDN in the weather office and that would the weather presenter would dial into each station. And it didn't like the Maya Codex. It didn't like him at all, and we were struggling to figure out whether it was a ISDN problem, BT problem, or a Vylor problem. It ended up being that the the codec we had wasn't really compatible with the Maya Codex. Luckily, Jeff Wolf, who's the guy who came up with Vylor, doesn't live too far away and often comes into our office. And we we sort of grabbed him one afternoon, sort of sat him down, and said, "Look, how can we get around this?" And he went, well, it's Vylor, you can do what you want. And he said, all you have to do is just um, rig the weather studio to an X node, give them phone box so they can control the clean feeds, and we can make it appear in the other stations. So what they do now is they have phone box with all eight, I think it's six radio stations listed on there. And then at the other end, the stations just send a clean feed when they put it onto their fader, and then the presenter just drops it onto their virtual fader, and bang, they've got full-blown studio quality weather hits now rather than a crabby MPEG-2 ISDN. And it's been solid as a rock. It's more solid than the ISDN was. And it just works. And it's just so much more simple than... And the presenters like it because they're not having to... um, The stations don't randomly ring them when they're about to go to the loo um, because they can just knock off the clean feed and then come back when they're ready to. So it's been... They like it because it's more efficient to their workflow and they don't have to remember ISDN numbers or you know look you know because there used to be like a phone book a phone book of actual physical numbers next to the ISDN unit 
it just makes it easy for them because it's just a click and drop solution. There's no messing around. There's no remembering how to dial it an ISDN up. There's no figuring it, f- trying to figure out what's gone wrong with it at three o'clock in the morning. Um, so it's been such a, an efficient system. But at the moment, that's kind of gone out the toilet because they're all working from home. So it's they're using Call Me, which is uh, similar to what we're using now. And it just produced, they just have a web link that just draws them straight directly into the stations. Um, and the presenters have been doing it off their own laptops or off their iPhones or whatever devices they've got lying around that's got IP connectivity. And that's something we wouldn't have been able to do um, even a couple of years ago if all this was going on. Um, we only have like, we were one of the lucky stations that we had three Comrexes, whereas some stations only had one. Uh, now we have five virtual Comrexes and broadcast support could spin up another five Comrexes if we needed to because it's on a virtual system. They just tell the computer to make another five Comrexes. So that's something that you, you have massive over, advantage over having physical equipment is that in the vir- you know when it's in a computer, you can have as many different devices as you want. Your only limitation is how much processing power you've got. So that's that's just a, one example of where Vylos really come into its own on, on, on this kind of sort of front. You are why. <laughs> so right now with the lockdown, we're all working in a brave new world of trying to broadcast mm. from home. And uh, this program is being made remotely from our locations around the country where we're all at. So BBC Local Radio has had to do the same thing for a lot of members of staff. Hmm. Has the Vylaw system made it easier for you to do that, considering that everything's essentially virtual? This is the, the advantage of it is, and I think this is where it's come into its own. And when if we rewind to probably 2017, uh, 2018, sorry, if this happened then, we would probably be okay. But all our kits in one room. So if we had to evacuate that building, um, we could move to Sheffield but we wouldn't have any our audio because it was on on our server, which is physically in the building. We wouldn't have access to our transmitters as easy because we would still be using Megastreams or Thunderbolt, um, which requires, you know, BT actually doing net, uh, network rerouting. Whereas with Vylog, because you've got multiple mix engines in a, a VLRC, one in, one in the north, one in the south... Um, you just basically tell it to repoint a studio in another site to your transmitters, or you they basically within probably a day repatch one of the studios. Saying if we move to Humberside, for example, mm. and we use their studio too, they can just basically tell all the computers to repoint and be radio leads. So same for the Dira playout, same for the BNCS control panels can all just switch to radio leads, and it's come into its own with this because it's kind of took that kind of ease off of us as to sort of panic of well, how do we still broadcast i mean um back in september we we were asked by one extra to do a dab radio station for bradford and this is where we brought in the vylor team um who were just obviously they'd finished doing the stations that year and they were working <laughs> on something called studio in the box which is basically a rock-up-and-go version of Vylaw. And it was just literally, they just turned up, dropped a desk on, uh, a, a mixer desk down, a couple of microphones, a bit of networking, 
plugged into the college's network, um, went through the, um, used a VPN to get into, to Vylor and bang, you got a station. And that was set up within about 12 hours. And it was completely non-tested. It was the first time it was ever used in anger. So there was that caveat, but it worked. And it was that kind of, oh, actually, that's quite kind of cool. Because when we did um, Radio Leeds 50, we did a, a pod inside the Merrion Centre. And me and Richard said, when Vylor comes along, we can't do this anymore because of the delays with, you know, having to create spoof mixes and all that kind of stuff. It wouldn't work with Vylor, but Vylor eliminates that because then you could just rock up with the same kit you have in your studios in a slightly more portable version and just go. You wouldn't need to bodge into an ISDN, a, a top back system and another mixer desk and another uh, a cheeky link into our playout system that we did, um, which um, <laughs> probably would have got us in trouble at the time if it was found out how we were doing it. Um, also, being... also hotkey and a remote desktop connection. <laughs> yeah, so there was there was that, and it was kind of you don't need that. You don't need to do that now because that system can just go, and it just appears as like a, another studio, or another source. So you don't even need a desk driver because the the presenter can do everything from that portable system, and it's really clever. And that's that's where the advantages of using IP comes over the traditional sort of audio circuits in the form of sort of um mega streams or isdns or even point to put you know traditional um audio over ip designs such as uh, comrex access or um other bits of technology you've got out there because you still need another box to convert it out with with vilo it's it's all live it's all axis live wire system um which is all converted to unicast and then sent down a pipe so you, you've mentioned the redundancy a lot mm-hmm. and how important it is to have redundancy built into the system yeah, in terms of the analog desk, mm-hmm. which can be used if you know all the other stuff get, yeah. breaks or uh, and multiple studios. But um, throughout all of this, you have the issue that you need the connections into the network, presumably the BBC's own sort of private level three network. Do you have do you have to ensure you always have uh, multiple links up in order to handle that yeah, so, uh, at all stages? So every building has got dual path. So um, the, we're using the B, uh, BT's twenty first century network um, on the bigger sites. So we're classed as a tier three. So we've got um, very hefty connectivity into our building. I think we've got ten to twenty gigabit um, fibre at the moment. And we have been told that's only using 10% of what that fiber is capable of. But we've got two of those. And they're coming in from different ends of the building. And they're on different exchanges. And um, the whole setup of the the network paths from every station, from every television site, is dual-pathed and redundant. So if we lose one fiber, we don't lose everything because it fails over to the redundant pair or the redundant, the redundant fiber. So... So even though the studios are technically going down different paths, they're again their their redundancy is that they're also on the opposite path to the the one they're on as well. So it keeps that going, and it's the same with the two VLRC sensors. There are dual paths between them. So if one of the connections go down, they're still able to carry on as normal, as if nothing's nothing's changing. And that's the difference between what you would have at home. Whereas here, if we lose something, we're not lose. You know, we might just lose lose 
an insignificant video circuit or an audio circuit that we're not worried about but our main protective paths which are like our, our wang network the vylon network and the video network are all protected so yeah redundancy is quite important mate you mentioned earlier that the desk is making was it a precursor mix or a- it's what we call a spoof mix now spoof mix right, problem yeah. is with ip is it's got to go down down um it's got to be converted into packeted information it's then sent down a line depacketed and then moved around and then back again. And roughly roughly the distance between, say, our, our studio and the VLRCs is around about 300 miles. And you do get latency. So if you sent the presenter the whole, de- the whole desk feed down and then back again, the presenter will get confused because they'll be delaying their headphones. It'll make them feel nauseous. Um, some presenters can handle it, some can't. And you, you, you kind of get what's known as drunk talking because the person can't deal with it and it's really strange so how they get around this is both in ops and in um, the studios to create what's known as a spoof mix so the spoof mix is what's sent back to us is a clean of everything but the analog desk and then the analog desk creates the spoof mix so technically what you're listening to in ops and in in the studio is not necessarily what is actually going out on air which is why usually you have what we call monitoring um, mixes as well so there'll be off-air receivers that are connected into the system that the presenter can have a quick flick through to check that they're there during tracks and stuff or when they grab the studio that they've got control so that's one disadvantage of of having your, your kit you know several hundred miles away whereas if it was upstairs even with, with ip it would be less latency it'd be enough it wouldn't be it'd be imperceivable for the presenter to notice the latency so that's how they got how they get around having all the equipment sort of 300 miles away and having the ability for the presenters to basically see nothing different but it's something you have to be aware of because sometimes you might not know you've gone off air because your spoof mix is playing out you haven't you know in the old days um, when we used to have the killer stream and the mega stream circuits because they were so low latency the presenters some of the presenters would actually listen to the off-air receiver as they're um, working long whereas now that's not not practical so that's how you get around sort of delay things but that has caused us some weirdities and again it's this kind of um, thing you never notice until you use the system in anger so one of our presenters um, has a phone in and we kept getting complaints of an echo we didn't we go into studio we go into ops there's no echo you listen to off air there's an echo and we're like what's going on where's this echo coming from and we couldn't figure it out. And it wasn't till we both, Richard and I, went into the studio with said presenter and we heard how loud her headphones were. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so that they, they were using unlimited headphones and it was quite cranked quite high up. And what was happening was that the spoof mix was causing the echo because the microphone was picking up the spoof mix from her headphones and then what you hear was hearing it on TX was... Um, what was causing the echo and I was like how the hell do we get around this and in the end it kind of resulted in us putting a gate on the presenter microphone so we replaced the um the compressor limiter with a multiband compressor limiter with a built-in gate and it's got a very harsh gate on it so basically even if the presenter leaves their fader up as soon as they stop talking the gate closes and that eliminate that eliminated that problem and that's 
just the sort of little things that you kind of find with this technology. And that that's only coming what's coming into the spoof mix and the presenter's headphones rather than what goes out live. Yeah. So to to stop to stop the echo from from the headphone um from a headphones bleeding into the microphone and back into the main mix was we had to put that gate on 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 the, on the presenter microphone to stop that happening. And it's just something it's just silly little thing it's just things you find as you go along you don't you don't realize become an issue until you know that technology is in place and has been used in anger by by the you know by your normal presenting team and by yourselves and by everybody else. Ross, thank you very much for speaking to me. You have no idea how happy it makes me that the world of professional radio isn't that far away from the anarchical daily life of uh, our student radio here at URY. URY.